Hello, and welcome to another episode of History in Conversation, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Historical Research at the University of London. I'm Liam Cunningham. In this episode, Joe Fox, director of the IHR, speaks with Professor Claire Langhammer about how historians should respond to the dramatic events of 2020. Claire is Professor of Modern British History and a trustee of the Mass Observation Archive at Sussex University. She is an expert on mass public record keeping and is closely involved in projects to capture people's experience of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jo spoke to Claire soon after an IHR online event in July 2020 in which they both took part. The event, entitled Writing Histories of 2020, looked at how future historians might write about the events of this year and how we should best prepare the grant for them. Thanks so much, Claire, for agreeing to talk to us uh, today about this really critical issue. And it comes out of an event that we held at the IHR, which is on our IHR website, on how historians are writing 2020s. Now, I know that, that you're a trustee of mass observation. Can you tell us a little bit about what mass observation has been doing recently to collect people's thoughts, their feelings about this, this exceptional time we're living through now? Yes, um, Mass Observation has been um, incredibly active. Um, every year it does a, what it calls a 12th of the month, 12th of May diary project where it asks just members of the public to submit um, one day diaries um, to the archive. And, and of course this year the 12th of May diary um, fell right in the middle of lockdown. Um, and although they usually get a couple of hundred responses to that, this year they got 5,000. So there's a lot of information about how a diverse range of people have been dealing with um, the COVID crisis in that. Um, but alongside that, they've, already, they've also been um, continuing with their usual work, which is um, around sending out um, sort of a directive, as they call it, an open-ended questionnaire to their um, ongoing panel of volunteer writers. And um, the questions that they've been sending out have also reflected um, the ongoing development of the, the COVID crisis. So there's a lot of material now in the archive that will be available to future researchers to use. I've always been fascinated as to why people write for mass observation. And I'm, I'm even more fascinated now as to why you've seen such an acceleration of engagement. Why, why are people engaging with mass observation on this scale? What, what are they hoping to get out of writing for, for mass obs at this time? I think in rather similar ways to when mass observation first started in the, in the late 1930s, um, people have various different motivations. Um, for some people, it is very explicitly about recording a moment and they have a really keen and self-conscious sense of the need to do that for history or for future historians. Um, for other people, I think it is more of a therapeutic thing, you know, that self-writing, journaling, we're in an age where we're encouraged to write what's going on both in our head and in terms of our everyday lives. So people are responding to that impulse as well. Um, I think that for some people it was something to do. You know, we know that during lockdown, um, there were great disparities of, of, of the experience of time. Some people having way too much time, or at least that's how they experienced it. And a lot of people having no time whatsoever amongst all the other pressures. So I think there were people who saw it as an opportunity to, to do something um, and to have um, their life 
recorded somewhere because that act of being recorded um, gives you a sense of validation, I suppose. Yeah, I always wondered that when I was reading Massobs around the Second World War, I wondered whether it was a mechanism for record, getting some kind of power back into your life, some kind of agency, because um, you find yourself in circumstances which are beyond your control. By kind of writing in that way, recording for history, you position yourself back in the story, and by doing that, you're getting some kind of control over the situation. I wonder whether that's... I've always wondered whether that's a ma- motivation for, for writing uh, to mass obs or during the war, um, to writing to the ministry, a lot of people wrote to the Ministry of Information as well. And I always wondered, is this a way of making sense of the present for you uh, and then to sort of get some agency back? I think that's a gorgeous point. And I think undoubtedly um, true to some extent. Um, I think it's about, it's, about, it's about being able to stand back and sort of survey um, what's going on and to be, be given a kind of license a permission by an outside organization to do that um but i think it's also it's control over the wider situation but it's also control over time because time time's just been so weird in these times um i think i mean you know speaking personally i've taken to doing a, a sort of hour by hour kind of time list for every day and that's about control that's yeah. about feeling i can look at that and see what i'm th- that time has some meaning yeah that there's some order on it so i think that doing a day diary um in the way that mass observation has asked people to has a similar um purpose really although that's not to say that everybody does it in the same way yeah and of course people exercise that agency that, that control um over their lives sometimes by wrapping into the story of one day all sorts of kind of um, prehistory or their life history, mm-hmm. whereas other people do literally do it as a got up, did this, did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the different ways in which people do it um, are just lovely. Yeah, and revealing too, aren't, aren't they? I mean, I wondered also, I mean, when you think about, I, I, I always read um, mass observation as a, as a very human record it gave you access to a whole range of emotions that you can work with as a historian. And I guess we've seen that in the, in the recent um, submissions to mass observation. I was just thinking, what's at play here um, in, in what we might be seeing being recorded in mass observation now? And I think the things that have struck me is that kind of moving between sort of love, isolation, parting, loss, solitude, you know, that's really come to the fore. So it's separation, caring, kindness, you know, hoarding, you know, selfishness. There's all these kind of things that are in play. And I guess what you're seeing in the, the responses you're getting in mass obs is all of that in a sort of heady cocktail. Is that, is that what you're seeing coming through? Do we have any insights in what people are actually, what's the content? Yes. I mean, there, there, are, there are all of those kind of, um, feelings, emotional states there. Um, you know, I would add things like judgment, judgment of others, judgments of self, really kind of lots of self-criticism. Um, almost like this is a sort of meaning of life moment. You know, am I doing enough? Is my job worthwhile? Um, does it have, does it have value? 
in this kind of changed context where work hierarchies have seemed to have been turned um, upside down. Um, you know, but also kind of, I think that the variety of emotional response, so, some of which is, is really surprising, and that's another gorgeous thing about this archive, is that it will confound you, you know, with things that you didn't imagine people would be feeling or, or, or thinking about this time. Um, but the kind of the range and diversity of it is a really useful, and this is where it's not dissimilar to first phase MO, it's a really useful counterpoint to some of the homogenizing narratives um, that we see in the, the, the press and on, uh, in the media. Um, and, and Emma's always worked kind of in that interesting way to, um, to say, hang on, you know, <laughs> look at all of this stuff. Yeah. Or we just accept those um, fairly one-dimensional stories of, of what's actually been going on and what public attitudes and, and public response have been. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask about those kind of parallels because I, I was also sort of thinking about talking to you today. I was thinking, well, what are those parallels from what we see in, say, the 1930s and 40s through in mass observation? Because it's had all these different lives, hasn't it, mass observation? So we've got these sort of snapshots of moments that maybe we can compare the 30s and 40s and then it comes back again in the 80s doesn't it? it starts to pick up again in the 80s and I went to a brilliant exhibition of mass observation materials from the 80s in London a couple of years ago it's fantastic it just it just sort of brought back all kinds of memories of the everyday that sometimes lost and, and now and I was one of the parallels I was thinking of that I remember being really struck in the mass observation um, archives for the war years about how people were articulating how surreal the situation <laughs> felt and it was one of those kind of feelings that I had when we went into lockdown that this is just surreal and it became more and more surreal as the days went on uh, you know you're normally getting on a packed train into London suddenly all the people disappeared there were no people at bus stops and and there were various surreal moments I was remembering being in Senate House looking out on Mallet Street normally jam-packed and I saw a fox it was 11 o'clock in the morning a fox walking straight down the middle of the road as almost as if nature was taking over the city again and, and for me one of the profound things is how surreal it's all been and then I was immediately cast back to the mass observation archive and I was reminded how people were writing about the war. This is surreal. So mm. I wonder about what other parallels might there be as, mass, as we move through mass observation through the ages. How, how is the archive reflecting, you know, pulling across those different periods for which it exists and records those moments? I mean, I think on the surreal um sort of surrealness of it um one of the interesting comparisons is that there's a lot of uh, in in at the beginning of the war um there's a mass observation directive that asks people about dreams war dreams yeah and of course a lot of people now um in, in the current crisis have been talking about having the corona dreams i think we've had lots people have had those things so that sense of what's going on in the yeah i mean i mean i'm i've been because I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing some work on um on feelings at work so i've been looking at the 
starting looking at the, 19, uh, the current 2020 stuff, but then comparing that to say the 1943 stuff when people at NEMO were asked about their feelings at work, and also in 1947 when they're asked about their feelings at work. And looking across those three, what's really interesting is that there are parallel feelings of anxiety about value. You know, are you doing important war work? Yeah. Are you a key worker? Um, but also contestations of those categories as well, you know, yeah. and attempts to um, even whatever you're doing kind of claim that what you're doing is important. Mm. Um, so, so that's really nice. There's also with the 80s stuff and this came up um, last night in the in the discussion. Um, the material on HIV/AIDS, which um, you know Matt Cook's done some gorgeous work on, um, I think looking at, at, at illness, um, disease, sort of across the mass observation project will be really nice. Going back to that '80s um, material, um, I think you know really. I mean, the thing I I most love about mass observation is that um, in, in terms of both the mid-century, mid-20th century version and also the 1980s on version, is that whatever topic you've got, there's kind of something. And you can, you can map it through individuals because people, because it's longitudinal, because people write over time. So you can, you know, you, you can go back to somebody writing in the 80s and see whether they're still writing today. Um, but you can also take these slices, you know, of a particular um, topic a particular moment um or trace a particular theme yeah uh, yeah it's great i was no i noticed last night that um you mentioned that school children were writing for mass observation and i remember looking at an amazing body of um essays from the war years where children were writing about what they thought of hitler and their brilliant material i thought oh they've got that lovely comparator you know, it's very rare and hard, I think, to access children's perspectives at the time. We get a lot of memory work, and this is what it was, you know, to be a child at the time. When you know, I was looking at the Second World War, there's a load of memory pieces that didn't quite fit with the essays. I thought the essays were brilliant because you caught that moment where they were actually children. And I was fascinated to hear that that project's still part of mass observation, capturing that. It's really hard to, as a historian to access that perspective. Uh, the children's stuff is just is is gorgeous. I mean, in fact, myself and my, my colleague and friend Hester Barron have have been working on some of the material that was gathered in um, Worktown in Bolton in, in the 19, 1937 and 38. Um, and you absolutely get that sense of the. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but the child's child's eye on what's going on, and that perspective is is so different. Um, and it's there again in the 2020 material, um, you know, and in a, not in a childish way. It's not that they're childish, they're thoughtful and they're clever. Um, and they, it's just a, diff, a completely different perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. So the stuff about, for example, you know, PE with Joe Wicks. Yeah. I mean, in the, in, the children, in the kids' ones, it's all about PE with Joe Wicks, you know? He's, he's like the symbol. Um, yeah of this moment for them I love that. That, there's a kind of disruption to children's lives that never sort of makes it really deeply into that historical narrative how they're seeing it from their point of view I was thinking about evacuation you know and then the disruption of schooling the disruption of their communities and social networks it's it's not a precise you know parallel 
but you know having access to those yeah. of how what's happened to children we write we, we often write them out of that mainstream yeah. narrative in 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 a similar way to we write other groups out of mainstream narratives and mass observation puts them back in and captures it their their point yes wonderful I mean, because often when we do write children in, we're, what we're doing actually is writing adults' recollections of right. yeah. children in, yeah. um, which is, is, is useful and interesting, but not quite the same. But as a memory, you know, as a memory with all of those caveats and, and all the things that memory reveals, you use yeah. it in a slightly different way, don't you? I, do, I wanted just to have a, have a think about, um, just conclude by, by having a think about the role of the historian because one of the things um that i've also noted um about the last few months is that there's a kind of um a sustained questioning let's put it that way of the value of the humanities uh and that kind of pivot towards stem which was already underway anyway but seems to have been exacerbated or intensified by covid and and even in in unexpected quarters perhaps um and that's obviously led the the, the british academy and others to launch the shape initiative and yet it strikes me as you know it's exactly those kind of humanities perspectives for all the reasons that we've been talking about today that we desperately desperately need and i noticed that other countries have had humanities scholars on their equivalent of sage um, to bring that perspective i mean when we talk about solitude isolation how we find solace it's interesting how many people turn to literature and poetry and arts you know the, the collapse and demise of the arts sector and the pressures that covid's put the arts sector under have, have you know really led us to understand what the value of the arts are in our everyday lives and i just wondered about the role of the historian in 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 the present uh, and why I, I personally think it's more important now that for historians to be involved for all the kinds of reasons that, that we've been talking about today. And I just wondered your perspective on, on, on that issue. Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's no accident that, that this is the moment where those pressures um, to undermine the arts and humanities um, have, have really come to the fore. Um, I mean, what, the arts and humanities and what history in particular gives is context and gives critique, um, critical thinking. Um, and I think there are areas of society where we really want to push against that kind of critical thinking um, and go for um, simplicity. Um, but even to the extent of just talking endlessly about the science as if such a thing actually exists. Um, so the need for it is kind of really, I mean, it's, it's, it's critical. Yeah. the need for this kind of perspective and for and for context i mean for what historians kind of do best yeah is is kind of explaining how we got places yeah. um i think the other thing so so absolutely hist history has a crucial role i think historians have a crucial role i think the other thing that um worries me is a, a closing down of who gets to be a historian as well yeah um in you know whatever and we remains to be seen what happens to he over the next few years um but that 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 that, that narrowing of the sort of social base of, of the profession 
again, yeah. which, which had opened up, it hadn't opened up in the ways that it should have done in terms of race, for example. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was beginning to open up. And I think yeah. I worried about that closing down yeah. because you do need a diversity of perspectives. Yeah. Um, and the of that, you know, we don't want to lose momentum in that area either. I mean, this is exactly the moment where we had a chance to, to open it up in that way. Um, you know, and yet there is that closing down. You can kind of feel it. It's palpable. You really can. Um, and that, yeah, that, that really, really worries me. But I think more broadly, this, um, this idea that history is just a kind of, you know, entertainment. I mean, history is, is weirdly incredibly popular at the moment at which historians are being sidelined. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, as we know, it's just so much more than that. Yeah, and you can see how, you know, that perspective now on what's going on now, how historical perspectives really can inform the, the, the steps that you can take in future. I mean, I was just thinking about my own field of, of propaganda and, and government communications. We've seen how that can go wrong yeah. um, over the past few months, and yet we have countless examples from the past that would have stopped any of that happening. You know, you could say, don't take that line. This is what happened in the past. Try this instead. This is what worked. This is what didn't. And we can, although the contexts are different, you can actually draw some examples out to, to guide policy. And you can see that in all kinds of, of other ways too. And I, I, you know, my concern is that, 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 that historians and other humanities ought to be recruited into this national effort, an international effort, global effort, because there's a lot about this that is to do with being human. And that's what we do, that's what we know. We know what it means to be human and what, what humans do and how they react, how they behave, what matters to them. And, I, and you know, thinking about, um, you know, the focus on the economy obviously has been right, but when you look down and I guess you see this in mass observation, some of the things that motivate people are to be around the ones they love. And humanities could have told the government that, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I think this refuse, this simultaneous sort of celebration of history, which we saw in the VE Day stuff, yeah. um, and we've seen in all sorts of other places, that sort of celebration of, a, of, a, of particular moments of the past at the same time as a kind of determined presentism, yeah. which disavows any kind of historical analysis. Certain it's, types of history yeah. allowed. Yeah. Well, with certain types of history but not others. And we've seen that, you know, in terms of the Black Lives Movement too. Yeah. Not yes. wanting to confront histories of empire and colonialism and yet celebrating other elements of the history that tell a, a, a sanctioned national story. Absolutely. And that's where the kind of, um, you know, life writing, kind of personal history stuff that MO and many other bodies are collecting is so useful because that's where that's where the people who are actually challenging those narratives are recording what they're doing. You know, it's there on in social media. It's then we have to make sure that that doesn't get lost. So that the, the story about the challenge to history of this moment isn't just, well, people have street parties to celebrate or commemorate VE Day. That actually the stories of the Black Lives Matter marches, um, the kind of the, the, the transnational movement of that, I mean, was, was just amazing to see. 
the um, which seems like a long time ago now, but the, the the pulling down of statues, all of that stuff, which is kind of historical work yeah. that people kind of you know so-called ordinary people are just getting up and doing it's just it's amazing but it, it needs to be kept visible claire thanks very much thank you for listening to history and conversation please subscribe on soundcloud stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts find updates on our website history.ac.uk You can also follow us on Twitter at IHR underscore history and on Facebook and Instagram too.